Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And I'm Liz Esten. Hey, hey, she's back! And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, the podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater. And today we have Liz Esten joining back, triumphant return. Oh! Thank you, thank you. I'm back. You're back in guest terms. You literally, much like Robbie Rizal, who did not know he was going to be in an episode until like 12 hours before we did an episode. Liz did not know she was going to be in an episode until she got the link for the episode and just showed up. The moral of the story is Jess is an asshole and don't yeah. click any links he sends you. <laughs> when Jess sends you a stream yard, anticipate being in a podcast, not having an impromptu meeting about something else. <laughs> And speaking of that, this is a Patreon request by a brand new patron that I don't know the name of yet. So I'm going to go check the Discord messages it's real Puffy quick. Puffy Boy. Come on, I Puffy hope it's Boy. Puffy Boy. Puffy Boy. <laughs> Come on, Puffy Boy. It is Teapot, um, whoever that teapot. is in our Patreon, with the u- Discord username Teapot. Oh, no, it is What Did Boris Say is their what, Patreon well, name. Which one is it? What Did Boris teapot Say or Teapot? Teapot is their Discord name. Okay. What Did Boris Say is their patron name. Okay. But that being said, Andrew, I've had a real rough time and I need some advice. Really? What, what's going wrong? Um, I have bounced so many checks and I think the government might- Just, that's illegal. It, yeah, I've just bounced them. And you know what? I've also lied to so many people. I lied about being a pilot and they just let me be a pilot. I lied about, you know, being a doctor, a lawyer, all of these things. I lied about being an FBI agent, and I think eventually all these crimes I'm committing might catch up with me. I doubt that. I doubt that, yeah. It's not gonna catch up with you, because, like, you're not gonna, like, fall in love or something like that. (laughs) I would never do that. Never. Yeah. Oh, no, I've fallen in love. What do I do now? (laughs) You literally just said you weren't gonna do that. That's the one thing that's gonna cause you. Yeah, he's in love with Andrew. (laughs) That's the one thing that'll get you caught. Andrew, I I gotta meet your parents and tell them who I am, because I'm in love. Well, I'm sorry you're going to jail. (laughs) But I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're going to work for the FBI. Yeah. Twist ending. I lied about everything I did, and none of it's true. 
Yo, this is the first the first show to tell you straight to your face that everyone who works for the FBI is a criminal. This week, in case you haven't picked up what we're throwing down, we're talking about the musical Catch Me If You Can. Cue the music. So sit back and let me be your TV guy. I got a story I'd like to tell. But I'm gonna need help to tell it well. Story about fame and money. And it's got more curves than a Playboy bunny. I wanna live, not just survive. I wanna tell my story live in living color. Something special's up tonight. Yes, I'm live in living color. Life ain't lived in black and white. So what's what song would you play here? There is no like really big number here. Like, would you play like the what is that opening number about? Uh, oh God, Life in Living Color. Because everything about this show is about TV. I don't get it. Because it's an adaptation from a movie. No, no. The movie had almost nothing to do with TV, and this musical has almost everything to do with TV. It is wild. Uh, but Catch Me If You Can is a musical written by Terrence McNally, uh, may he rest in peace, with music and lyrics by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, based on Catch Me If You Can by Jeff Nathanson and Catch Me If You Can by Frank Abagnale Jr., the original book. It premiered March 11, 2011, and it began preview performances on Broadway at the Neil Simon Theater, with an official opening date of April 10th, 2011. Production closed on September 4th, 2011. After 32 previews and 170 regular performances, it did not go that great. The plot of Catch Me If You Can is, seeking fame and fortune, precocious teenager Frank Abagnale Jr. runs away from home to begin an unforgettable adventure. With nothing more than his boyish charm, a big imagination, and millions of dollars in forged checks, Frank successfully poses as a pilot, a doctor, and a lawyer, living the high life and winning the girl of his dreams. When Frank's lies catch to the attention of an FBI agent, Carl Hanratty, through, though, Carl... Though, Carl pursues Frank across the country to make him pay for his crime. It's like if Les Mis were bad. <laughs> uh, that's a little unfair. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It is written by the Hairspray guys. Plus, we already have Les Mis if it was bad. You just watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, got, you got a point. I feel my shame inside me like a knife. So catch me if you can. I actually really like this movie by Steven Spielberg. I think it's a. I think most Spielberg films range from great to fine. Um, Liz, you also have seen the movie by Steven Spielberg. Yes, I have. I watched it first in high school. Ooh, was it a good time to watch things? Wait, yeah, how did they justify it? it? How did they justify that as an educational film? I don't think they did. It was one of those like we need you to shut up for a period. Days, so they just put a movie on. Like once we had an assembly, they separated the gender breakdowns, you know, of the two genders according to conservatives, you know. The they's and the them's, yeah. Yeah. The Mario's and the Luigi's. Yeah, so Yeah, you separate uh, the Mario's and the Luigi's. Yeah, the Mario's and the Luigi's. So the um, Mamas and the Mia's. (laughs) (laughs) So I was in an assembly and everyone else was watching um Invictus. And then the other group was in an assembly, and we watched October Sky. Uh, they did not even bother to justify either of these. But the two, the two genders. Yeah, the two genders are October Sky and Invictus. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I identify as Invictus. I identify as October Sky because young Jake Gyllenhaal only. <laughs> Um, but yeah. When did you watch this then? <laughs> I, in some class, I don't know. Uh, I had some teachers who made weird decisions. Uh, we once watched the Fox or Algernon movie for no reason, and we never discussed it again. But what did you think of the movie? Uh, any, yeah, back on track. I like the movie. I don't. I'm not really a Spielberg gal, um, mostly because I'm not a film bro, and I don't understand appeal of Spielberg. Wait, you sometimes. don't? You didn't like you, the Fablemans? I didn't see the Fablemans. <laughs> You didn't like West Side Story 2021? Yeah, of course I did. It has Aaron and DeBose in it. <laughs> okay, West Side Story 2021 was actually pretty good. That isn't a fantastic movie. Uh, some of his other stuff, I don't know. Maybe I find it middling. You didn't like the BFG or Bridge of Spies or The Post or would... AI or Minority Yo, Report? I loved The Big Fucking Gun. That was my favorite yeah. <laughs> fucking movie. <laughs> it starts Steven Seagal um, and it costs $3. <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd watch Big Fucking Gun starring Steven Seagal. But <laughs> yeah, I liked it uh, only because it felt more like felt like a movie that felt more accessible. It's not like a, I'm a filmmaker and I'm passionate about what I do or whatever. Or a World War II movie, which I just skip. Bridge of Spies looked really boring to me. So Bridge of Spies is a good movie. I skipped it, is, it. Like until West Side Story, I was calling it Steven Spielberg's last good movie. <laughs> Amazing. And then the Fablemans. And the Fablemans. Fablemans is good. I was disappointed by it. Okay. Oh. Um, but I will not... It's a weird movie. Okay, I, I, I tweeted about this. Uh, it's When do I ever get to talk about Spielberg in a way? We don't have much to say about this musical. Sorry, I'm going to talk about Spielberg for a second. The Fablemans, is, the plot of... the. First half is about the plot of his divorce. The second half is him in high school, and he has this bully, and his emotional catharsis is that he is so good at filmmaking, he makes his bully look so good on film, and the bully, like, why'd you make me look so good and so hot on film? He's like, I just thought you'd look good from that angle. And we're supposed to think, oh no, he has this romance with filmmaking. And I'm just like, did you want to fuck your bully? You know, Sigmund Freud once said... <laughs> 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 Fuck your I mean, bully. The bully the bully was an anti-Semite. He's a real piece of shit. There's a lot of other stuff going on. But it reads real weird when you see him film this and you got this naked guy in the beach being shot as in races and volleyball games. And I'm like, did you did you want to fuck that bully? <laughs> well. So that's the Fablemans, but but catch me if you can is a very effective dad movie. Yes. I think it is the perfect description of a dad movie. You got Tom Hanks as the person chasing Leo DiCaprio. It's already a dad movie. Tom it, Hanks. You said Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is very well made. The father is played by Christopher Walken, who famously got an Oscar nomination and a Razzie nomination this year. Oscar nomination for Catch Me If You Can. And he is very good in this movie. He is very charming. He says some of his most iconic Christopher Walkenisms in it. Two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. <laughs> But he was also in the Country Bears. <laughs> oh, I love the Country Bears. Bears. 
um, where he the plays. The Country Bears is one of the movies that's funny to just bring it up. It's just like, hey, remember the Country Bears? Have you yeah. watched it though? Have you properly sat down and no, maybe that's fucking, a commentary of idea? Of course not. I've seen it like three times. I think it is horrendously unwatchable, and it feels like <laughs> it will never end. It is one of those films that just keeps going, and you think you're getting to an ending, and you're not. Yeah, then you get to the fast feud musical number, and you're like, oh, God, why is this happening now? I'm only in it for the honey. It makes my head feel kind of funny. Give me that golden nectar straight from the bees. Bartender, give me some of that, please. Why, why would you make a movie about the Country Bear Jamboree, which is an attraction at Disney Disneyland and Disney World that has nothing like nothing's going on you just sit down and you and you watch the bears and they sing the fucking goofy movie made fun of the country <laughs> bears like for real you are completely correct and i says it says a lot about um post katzenberg eisner solely run disney where it's just like anything that might get the boomers to see a movie yeah okay catch me if you can yes as we were told by Robbie Roselle, when it was originally developed in its workshops with Annalie Ashford, Nathan Lane, and Matthew Morrison, it was supposed to be like a big pastiche on variety shows, which at least that's a clever idea because it takes place in the time of variety shows and using that kind of background to get through crimes, at least then it wouldn't be a one-to-one recreation of the movie the way that the final version is where you still see, like, everything is told through pastiches of reality shows, but they're doing a... There's no connective tissue between that and the narrative. It just is the style they're doing, and I don't get it. I don't get what they're doing with this musical. I don't think it's incompetent. I know the songs are catchy. I know Mark Shaman is one of the most talented composers out there. I hear Some Like It Hot is good. I don't know, haven't dove into that one yet, but this didn't work for me in any way because... If I wanted to watch the movie told by literally one of the best directors of our time, I would. And you brought this up to me off the mic, Andrew, where this entire story is plot driven. There is not very much emotionally driven by this character, except his relationship with his dad, which they surprisingly don't lean into very much. Yeah. So this is um, and I haven't seen the movie, so I can't speak to what the movie is. But it, it reminded me when I was watching it of what we talked about with um, with Sister Act mm-hmm. um, and why Sister Act worked a little bit better than Back to the Future. And I think I said something like Back to the Future is too plot driven. There's not enough yes. emotional moments um, where a song will naturally kind of flow out. But this kind of feels like the same thing where it's like there's not a ton of emotional moments. There are some in this. But there's not like a lot and most of those moments don't drive the plot forward in any way. So it doesn't really work for a musical in that way. No, (laughs) there are parts that I think I like. I like Hanratty's song about like, don't do the crime and crime is bad. Like, I like that song. The Hanratty character is I I think more of the story should have followed that character, honestly, because they seemed like they're more interesting. Yeah, they were more fun. So. I grew up, 2011, I was on the YouTubes, I was involved in the musical theater internet community more often than not at all, and I heard a lot of people talk favorably about this, and I have this weird connection with Newsies, that people keep bothering me, because it's never you, it's always me, about why we haven't covered Newsies, and that's because I don't like Newsies. 
And I feel like this is a similar situation where people confuse liking a show with finding the lead very hot. Now, this show starred Aaron Tveit, who is Liz, Liz is doing a comedic uh, reaction here, who is very good looking. Very he is good looking. Almost comically attractive. He, he feels like a cartoon character of a man. He's too attractive. Someone, someone be, is hot in the show and then people are like, I love the show. That's what yes. you're saying? And I think that's the same thing that happened with Newsies, where I don't see what everyone sees in Newsies. I don't get that show. I don't get the appeal of Newsies, to be honest. I thought Newsies was just like a, a fun, like, 1930s kind of thing, where it's like everyone talks like uh, like they're from the 30s. 1910s, but yeah. 1910s, whatever. I thought that, that was part of the charm of it. But no, they're about these underage underage kids uh, selling newspapers, um, but they're all very hot, attractive 20-year-olds doing funny, <laughs> funny, goofy dances for 45 minutes, and I'm looking at my watch every 10. We have to cover Newsies. We do, <laughs> but I don't want to be just like, you're wrong, so I want to get someone who actually really, really likes Newsies so we can properly talk about it. I don't like the movie Newsies. I don't like the stage show Newsies. And I think a lot of the only reason why Newsies became what it became is because people thirsted over the, the the actors in it jeremy jordan and the entire cast so you think that the reason catch me if you can did but didn't it do poorly though it did poorly but i think it garnered a cult following on the internet because of the air innovative at all oh so this is popular in some sort of niche crowd. It's in the niche crowds. This is like oh this is such an underrated classic da, 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 and then i'm just like i, th- I think y'all are just thirsty <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure I see this as a classic in any way. No. This doesn't have, it doesn't have any staying power, I don't think. <laughs> no, and this came out the same year as Book of Mormon, which kind of, it stole that Tony year. Now, Book of Mormon has an age great, but it did have staying power. It was a juggernaut and still runs to this day. Yeah, so catch me if you can the movie. I want to ask yes. about, I want to ask go. about it a little bit since I haven't seen it. I have watched it recently, in fact. Is there more, like, focus on the scamming element? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of montages specifically about the scamming and how he did it. I felt like there was a severe lack of scamming going on in, in the, the show. The brilliance of the movie, because you know Spielberg, he's a very methodical filmmaker, and he shoots every scam like it's an action scene. It is a reveal where you... He gets told a piece of information, and then you see how he implements that into his next scam. He's like, oh, this needs a seal. So he buys a bunch of toy airplanes and like puts them in a bathtub, then peels off the seal to put onto his checks to make them look official. Yeah, see, that's the, that's the kind of thing that, that the stage show feels like it's missing. It feels like this is a, it's like a show about scammers, about a scammer, but all we just hear about like, oh, well, he bounced a bunch of checks or like he has a bunch of fake checks. And he uses that to make a bunch of money somehow. And I feel like we don't see it. I want to see it, you know? It is a very, like, here's the method way of storytelling. The only thing that, like, it has an interesting take. The opening scene where he asked permission of Hanratty to put on a performance for the audience explaining how he got there. That's interesting, at the very least. Like, I'm like, that is something I don't think I've seen like this and didn't expect from this. But then they kind of never really do anything that kind of cool again. And they just 
follow the beats of the movie. Almost so much that I'm surprised Terrence McNally got a writing credit because it just feels like Mr. Nathanson's script from the movie. They should have had more times where like he would come back out and narrate again. Well, he's narrating throughout the entire thing. He does it a lot. It's just it's just to get us to the next plot point. I guess maybe it needed to be like him and Hanratty should have yeah. come out and like commented on what was actually happening. Maybe and we should have had some back and forth, like maybe something where it's like that's not how it happened or, or like mm. I don't even know. Well, we do get that. The movie is very good about giving you what you want because they cut back and forth from his kidnapping, like not kidnapping, his arrest to him being brought back to America and we get them getting back and forth and questions that he asks takes us back in time to learn about Leo DiCaprio's story. So we get their back and forth throughout the movie. It's not something that they ask you to wait for the way that the musical kind of does. There's a lot of stuff that I feel like is missed opportunities in this. Mm -hmm. And I, me, I wanted to love this show like straight up. You love scammers. Because I love scammers. (laughs) I fucking love scam artists. I think that they're so cool. Um, I Maybe think don't say this on a, a scam podcast, artist. Andrew, but... <laughs> what? That you love scammers. No, I think that scamming people is actually really sick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted more focus on the scam artist element, and I feel like the movie probably has what I'm it looking really for, does. and yes, the does. show doesn't. The show just doesn't. Yeah, the fake the check has... writing montages in the movie are, like, impeccable. <laughs> it's the most Spielberg Spielberg shit. Like... Yeah. The stage show, all all you're getting is like songs about uh, the how sexy all the ladies are, and there's kick lines of nurses and kick lines of stewardess. They literally do both. They have to do both because they're both somebody's fetish. Well, nurses and stewardesses are a lot of people's fetish. Let's be real. But we should talk about how within the last couple of weeks, Frank Abagnale Jr. has been revealed that most of the crimes he committed were actually lies. Most of, <laughs> most of his scams turned out to be false. Okay, I have an opinion on this, and I think I told you, but I think that this makes it better. <laughs> okay. This, this improves the whole thing, because now he tricked... So, okay, let's just quickly... The story is he's, he signs a bunch of fake checks or something, he gets followed by the FBI... He fakes being a pilot, he fakes being a lawyer, he fakes being a doctor, uh, and then he gets caught, and then he be- works for the FBI because he was so good at being a scam artist. No one else could compare to him. He's the only one that could tell if checks were That's wrong. the story. Like, that's the story. That's what happens. He has a love interest, but, like, okay. But in real life, he basically just, he just did the checks and the pilot thing, and that's it. Yeah. That's it. Every Everything else is fake, including... The big thing at the end where he works for the FBI. All of it, all of that is fake. My take is, we all got scammed. He, he scammed everybody. He, he pulled it off. He tricked all of us. He tricked Steven Spielberg into writing a legend. He literally, yes. <laughs> he was the ultimate tale of Liberty Valance. He's like, if the story is better, the legend's better than the truth, then print the legend. Yeah. So uh, honestly, I it is all fake and reality does matter. But also, what a fucking legend. What a dude. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating that, I mean, there is both a musical and a movie. Like recently, Frank Abagnale showed up to a high school that was putting on a performance of Catch Me If You Can, the musical. And he's like, I did all this when I was like 16 to 20. I shouldn't be branded for life, which is kind of wild. It was like five years of his early youth when he was just doing this shit. Also, though, you shouldn't be branded for life. Like, scamming p- 
people out of millions. I'm surprised he got off so easily. I do want to say the movie has like one of the most stacked casts ever of people before they were famous. You got Amy Adams, like you got Christopher Walken, Tom Hanks, Martin Sheen. Um, but then in like small, small worlds, you've got like you've got Ellen Pompeo, Elizabeth Banks, Jennifer Garner, like in these tiny blink and you'll miss a cameos. That movie is so wild to watch. I mean, they were in a Spielberg movie. You, you get famous from that. You know who definitely had opinions on this? Ben Brantley. <laughs> yeah, let's, what does Ben Brantley have to say? So Ben Brantley reviewed this when it first came out. And remember, context, Book of Mormon is taking the scene. It is a weird time for Broadway. Um, and this is Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman's follow-up to Hairspray, one of the most beloved musicals ever put on Broadway, and still to this day. It's got issues, hasn't aged perfectly, but it's still like It is illegal good. in Tennessee now, but... Yeah, it is. We, we really need to do an episode about drag and, like, the fucking drag laws are going on right now. Either way, Ben Brantley of the New York Times said, As befits a lad of the 1960s with a talent for smooth come-ons, Frank Abagnale Jr. prefaces the story of his life with the promise that it will have more curves than a Playboy bunny. But as presented in the new musical Catch Me If You Can, which opened Sunday night at the Neil Simon Theater, this portrait of the con artist as a young man portrayed by Aaron Tveit seems to consist mostly of straight lines like you use to connect dots in picture puzzles. That is the most New York Times-ass fucking opening to a review I have ever heard. He just, he never can say something. He always has to, like, word it in the most poetic way possible, which I guess makes, I don't know. But you never know what the fuck he's trying to say. There's no yeah. direct, speaking, I, I wouldn't mind a direct line if I understood what you were trying to say, Ben Brantley. Yeah, but this is what makes people good writers. This, this is what good writing is all about. <laughs> Can we get a, like a New York Times translated? <gasps> that would actually be wonderful. So they have this website called Did They Like It, where they take just a thumbs up, thumbs down for each, like New York Times, time out. And it is one of the most useful websites to figure out if anyone actually had an opinion on something. It's like they, they take, the, you have to put in the uh, in the poem that they wrote as a review. We need a then... Rotten Tomatoes for Broadway. Like that is where I think an aggregate would be useful to actually figure out what the fuck people thought about these bullshit. It's about scamming, Chicago, the producer's dirty writing scandals. Its central relationship is between two adversarial but romantically bonded men, the producer's dirty writing scoundrels, Book of Mormon. And hot diggity is it, it is set in the booze-juggling, chain-smoking, babe-chasing 1960s, an era that with the success of Mad Men on television has become Broadway's decade du jour. Rob Ashford's survival promises promises and how to see succeed in business without ever without really trying. He's basically saying it's just following the coattails of other musicals at the time. With Hairspray, Mr. Shaman and Mr. Whitman lucratively mined another vein of the 1960s, Montauk-style pop. So taking on Catch Me seemed unnatural, but this time they're doing pastiches of music from television variety shows of both the Mitch Miller and Dean Martin's kind, a form that is dangerously close to lounge and elevator music, which in theory could be interesting if they played him up like a Frank Sinatra character, but they don't. So this is this is where, and we couldn't really find much info on this, but our, our guest brought this up when we talked to them off out of the episode about yeah. uh, Catch Me If You Can. This was gonna be like a variety show? Yeah, they were um, really leaning into the variety show, like the Carol Burnett, Burnett style and just having it be about crime, which sounds fascinating. I would have loved to see that with like interviews and stuff. 
And that's where all the things being about television comes from. It's a remnant from a previous version and in its current form just doesn't fit anything. It just doesn't make any sense in the current version, but it, it did make sense when it was all about a variety show. It's weird. That is that is weird how these type of things end up. And how it makes sense if you follow the trajectory. It's like the Carrie. <laughs> like, it's been years since we talked about Carrie. Yeah. Where seeing its final version sight unseen, it makes no goddamn sense. But if you followed the full, like, trajectory of bullshit, oh, this tracks, this tracks. Oh, they were in togas because you misheard Grease and you thought it meant Grease? Okay. Everything starts making sense. And somehow you end up with a flop musical either way. Um... <clears throat> Frank's backstory, however, is envisioned as it might have been by a pipe-smoking 1960s equivalent of Dr. Phil. Frank, you see, behaves as he does because he is the child of a broken home. A direct line is traced between his reckless behavior and his desire to please his charismatic ne'er-do-well dad, Tom Wopat, and his sexy French mom, Rachel DeBenedict. That's fine. I mean, that's that's in the movie. That's not... That's, that's a remnant, and they... Most of the scenes, they they don't really lean into that. They really don't lean into the parental side of that, the way that they did in the movie. I feel like we don't even see the parents very much. Like, he calls them occasionally. They're not, like, a main thing that you see all the time, though. Or you feel Christopher Walken's presence throughout the movie, even when he's not on screen. You feel Maybe it's just because it's Christopher Walken, but sometimes a uh, casting can have happened. Holding on to his character's sad sack mannerisms and leading with his convex belly, Mr. Leo Butts works the friction between Carl's dumpy, arthritic form and the jivey spiritedness of the song to create a witty portrait of the passion that pulses within one gray, weary soul. The musical comes to ecstatic, surprising life during the song that he sings. And it's all more exciting because, unlike everything else in Catch Me If You Can, you didn't see it coming. I agree, I like that song. Wait, what? So, what's the overall thought that Ben Bentley has here? Is it just meh? It's meh. Not much to offer. I guess I I can't disagree with that. Sometimes I don't like when I agree with Ben Brantley, but yeah, fair. Yeah, according to didtheylikeit.com, there's six mehs and four thumbs down. That makes sense. Honestly, it's not like a terrible show from what I saw, but it just it doesn't leave an impression and it doesn't have anything to say. So it has. Hey, wasn't variety shows great? Can we bring those back? Which I don't disagree with, but... But maybe, also, maybe... They, they didn't fully lean into that, though, so it's nope. also just kind of... That's just kind of there. <laughs> and I will say, Ben Brantley's is marked as a down. Okay. Actually, not a middle. So this is one of this is one of the more negative ones, then. Yeah. It's going to this translation. They were all thirsty for Aaron Tveite. You know what? I think we need to get to a mid-show, because I feel like I don't have anything left to say unless we're talking about the songs. I agree. <laughs> Hey guys, sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the show, but we've got a shill at you. Today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors over at Patreon. And Patreon is this beautiful place where you can come join us, have some fun, and request what shows we cover. In fact, this was requested by our patron, What Did Boris Say? So if you'd like to decide what we cover, maybe not a movie musical adaptation, come join us over at Patreon. You could also... Donate enough where you can be a guest on this show. A couple people have done that, like Mina Maniri, Sammy the Most Lopez, Joseph Evans Green. You could do that as well. You could hang out with us and, you know, play video games with us. We do that every month, month or so. Um, I'm making a movie right now, so it's going to be a little less consistent. But after June, it'll be pretty consistent. Who's currently supporting us, Andrew? Our current patrons are... I'll make a beat. 
Okay. <laughs> Melissa Goldman, Daniel Rennox, Just Stampede, Ewan Cassidy, Monica Zero, Brent Flagg, Fazanis, Joseph Evans, Green, Marilyn Stroquette, John Vanals, Russ Walker, Musical Hell, Emily Gracie, Kyle Summers, Janae C., Scoot, and the Technicolor, Dreamcoat, Liz Slim, Nothing is Certain Except Beth, Tessa, Thespian, Ren Cullen, Raphael Martinez, Celeste, Jessica T., Michelle Young, Chai Teacup, Katie McDonough, Chris Marcote, Kiji Marie Anastasio Lila, RJ Nariga, Charlie B, Bjorn Hermans, Toriana Frazier, Sammy the Most Lopez, Liana Morton, Kelly Blazier, Cinemageddon Reviews, Villainous Miss, Sofina Ali, The Omega Geek, Paige Pearson, Maddie Wargle, Eliza Erdman, Anna Loskatova, Jessica Veray, oh my goodness, messing up some of these names, Sarah Den Blaker, Evan Ball, Zachary Therese, Gathering Party Before Venturing Forth, Rora Marasso, Mara Forloin, Captain Rod Tastic, Lisa L, Sarah Walsh, Nobody, What Did Boris Say, Puffy Boy, and Summer. Come join them at our Patreon! You can help <laughs> us keep Andrew getting paid and make some more videos. Like, we want to make more videos coming up um, with Liz. Liz is so good at making the video. Let's get back to the show. <laughs> Live in Living Color, which is, I guess, trying to set up, like, the Hey TV. They try to set up the Hey TV a lot. And it's brought to you by me. Yes, I'm not living colors. won't fit in your TV. What's a name? Just window dressing. Everybody knows that it's the clothes that make the get a new tv and he's like wow i love watching tv they really do try to kind of tie it in but not enough it's i it i think and again we couldn't find any real info on this but i'm pretty sure this is just a remnant from when this was going to be a variety show um and now that, that being said the song is fine like the it's song is fine it's it's cute. just it's weird that it doesn't tie in to the like actual themes of the show it's tying into a premise that isn't there anymore <laughs> it's obvious that they just tried to back ass backwards their way into a, th- a a thematic idea that isn't there anymore yeah i don't this musical is confused like i wonder if i'd actually like the variety show version of this i don't know if i would like we will never know because it's probably never going to exist <laughs> that's a bad thing about musicals like movies eventually leak like that those eventually do happen if a stage musical has an alternate version we'll never know about it no unless you were there yeah um i like the song it's cute yeah i like living in living color aaron tivate's hot <laughs> at least you admit I like, it all right yeah. Jess, let's, let's talk about a song i know you like okay okay let's go don't, don't break, break the rules, rules. Does the game worth a winning if you're breaking out the rules. Don't break the rules. How else we're living in the wild, wild west. Don't break the rules. That's keeping score. You don't want to fail that test. Don't break the rules. You thumb your nose right at the life for which I strive. But those rules of us keep us alive. I love this song because you rarely see a guy that moves that way on Broadway. Where it's like, it's not a graceful dance at all. It's like this jig, this unpleasant jig that everyone's doing, and I love it. Like this, it works. This moment really works. When I saw it at the Tonys, I'm like, I want to see that show. 
Like, no one moves the way this guy moves. It is so wild looking. Like, it, it's not like your average kind of dance break number. I appreciate that about it. It is engaging, strange, and novel. It, it, it fits the character, too, yes, is the thing. It is the one part about this that doesn't feel by numbers. Yeah, because this character is supposed to be... So, so, again, we're a podcast. For context, he dances like someone who doesn't know how to dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He dances the way I imagine Tom Hanks would at your wedding. <laughs> yeah, like he, he dances like your dad, yes. um, who doesn't know how to dance. Um, and it's it's interesting because you don't generally see that in a character on Broadway. It's but not- also it's the thing is it's he dances like someone who doesn't know how to dance, but they're actually dancing. Yeah, so like they turn these like not dance moves into actual dance moves, and it's it's interesting. <laughs> it's the one time the show comes alive <laughs> like yes. sincerely like where it doesn't feel like it's trying to get you to like you and you just actually like what's happening yeah and honestly i feel that way about this character i think that this character brings the show together like and it's the only reason that i don't think this show is terrible is this character is fun to watch and I think that since this character was also like a fictional amalgamation character and as well in the movie, I think they have a lot more freedom to do whatever they want with it because they don't need to get input from anyone else. They don't have to like, is this how the actual person acted? Like, yeah. who cares? Because it's I not feel real. Like, and that's what I, that's why I feel like this, this guy works. Uh, everything about him works in a way that when you cut to Tom Hanks in the movie, I'm kind of bored because it's not, it's not the scamming fun stuff that we're doing. It's the, you know, the boring dad stuff about like, oh, this guy's uh, got the MCR codes cut off and he, he knows what we're doing wrong and uh, go fuck yourself. This character is very fun. That is the one moment in the show I really like. Um, I do like my, my favorite time of year. That is a fun little ending to act one. Yeah, don't you love the Yuletide fun? There's joy and cheer for everyone. I wait for Santa with a gun. Yes, Christmas is my favorite time of year. Some sugar plums I haven't kissed, but mistletoe I must resist. Cause I'm on St. Carl's most wanted list. (laughs) Yes, Christmas. Is my favorite time of year. Where, like, they they finally meet, quote unquote. It is a narratively, it suits to be a cliffhanger. But aside from that, the show don't offer me much. Literally, I felt nothing. <laughs> anything, anything that you connected to? I kind of thought that the payoff to like the love story was okay. So the fly, like, fly uh, away the fly, or fly the, away song, yeah. I think. I mean, you I, gotta give your female lead a song. No need to tell me why my baby Baby, it's because you'll fly back home to me one day. Baby, when you're in the clouds, please keep a look
to me one day. And I think she actually did a really good job with it. I think that this it's not like a super interesting song, but I, I didn't didn't hate it and I, I I feel like it was a decent payoff to this plot line. I wanna make sure I'm the character Brenda in the musical is also in the movie. She's played by Amy Adams, and she is at no point conspiratorial with uh, Frank. She it's and she almost immediately rats him out. <laughs> like there is she no consideration. She's like, as soon as she found out shit's up, she rats him out immediately. Yeah, I feel like it's more interesting the way they did it here, but maybe. In the movie, it's probably fine because there's just other stuff going on. Whereas here, you kind of need this because there's nothing else happening. <laughs> that is the closest thing to an emotional beat, and it's the one that they made up for the movie or for the stage show. They made up a lot for the movie, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, they probably made up. A, I mean, he did the movie make it up or did he make it up? There's the question. Eh, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I don't know, he said in, like, 2001, like, I've never spoken to Steven Spielberg and I've never read this script. I don't want to. Fine. But he does like the musical. He does strangely show up to productions of the musical. He showed up to opening night. The musical puts him in a very flattering light, I think. Yeah. But doesn't the movie does too, though, right? I wouldn't say the movie puts him in a flattering light. I mean, he is played by Leo DiCaprio, but he's still kind of... A stupid guy. Yeah, in in this we don't see him doing the scams so much, um, and on top of that, he actually has like an emotional core with this love story plot. There is no emotional core to any of his love stories. He just fucks a lot. He fucks a lot in the movie. He does. That's about it. So he's Leonardo DiCaprio in real life. Maybe maybe he just likes that this puts him in a better light. Um, apparently he said the movie wasn't as accurate as it could be. Apparently his mother never remarried and had a baby. It's one of the gripes he has with it. Well, apparently the movie could have been a lot more accurate because he lied about the whole fucking thing. <laughs> exactly. No, this, this is a quote from 2017. So this is before he admitted to anything. So he's very much he like, this is true, but this little things are false. And then later he's like, yeah, I made it up. My source is that I made it the fuck up. No, he never admitted to making it up. It's just other people are like, yeah, that doesn't track. Yeah. I think Frank Abagnale probably has a small dick and no one that loves him. Oh. All right. <laughs> Please don't sue us, Frank Abagnale, if you are listening to this for some reason. What is our overall thoughts on Catch Me If You Can and your cheese ratings? Andrew, why don't you start? Yeah. Uh, Catch Me If You Can, it's fine. I, I, I'm not going to seek this out to watch it ever again, and I, I would be kind of surprised if this ever gets revived on Broadway or anything like that. It's made um, for regional theaters. Yeah, like, that's fine. Um, it's not bad. If there's, like, a community theater production of it, I wouldn't be like, oh, don't see that. It's gar That's going to be garbage. Uh, it's fine, but it's not great, you know? I, I feel very similar about this as I do to, like, Sister Acts, where it's just it's just fine. It's it's just fine. Um, I'm going to give it a cheese rating of a uh, fruit and cheese platter that you would get as airline food, because that's probably a similar quality cheese to the quality of this show. <laughs> Can't disagree with any of that. What about you, Liz? What are your thoughts on our discussion and all that jazz? Uh, I learned that you have not much to say about this show. What are you talking about? We talked. We were on track the entire time. We didn't talk we about never. it. Never ever got derailed. Yeah, we never mentioned never. Ishtar. 
Jess will be arrested at the end of this recording. <laughs> the police are banging down his door. Uh, no, I I learned that this show is pretty fine. Um, I re- I saw a middle school version of Elf the Musical back in like December ish, and it was pretty good. It was fun. Like so, I get kind of that vibe from it. Like I'd see it, but I would right. go like out of my way to see it if I wanted to. And Andrew legit stole my cheese rating, so. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it an airplane made of cheese, which is pro- looks cool, but that probably sounds isn't a as lot good. better than this music. But probably, but probably <laughs> doesn't taste very good because it's probably made of like really bad craft. Mm, okay, okay. Yeah. You know what? Both of those are good opinions. Um, I this show left a really rotten taste in my mouth. Like I felt unsatisfied, and honestly, I just got shit all over my fingers, and I didn't. I, the overall experience was not pleasant. So. I'm giving this flaming hot Cheetos. <laughs> you really think it's that spicy? I, 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 think, I think it's it, more regular. If anything, Cheetos. I would give this normal Cheetos. Like regular you know I'm giving this stale because you know you put it in the bottom of the bag and it popped open, but it's not enough where the Cheetos fell out. It's just enough where they get stale. And then you get to the bottom of the flaming hot Cheetos, thinking you're gonna get a spicy like oh little hot take here. Then no, nah, no, nah, it's just it, it all it, fell it, out of the bag. It, yeah. it tastes like you're eating packaging peanuts. So those fake Cheetos from Thirty Rock that Liz Lemon got obsessed with. Yeah, these are these are the hardest musicals to talk about because there's never anything to fucking say. It's always just like, yeah, it was kind of lame. Now back to Ishtar. <laughs> now back to Ishtar. Now One, Ishtar. two, three, four. <laughs> Ishtar is a musical, isn't it? They they sing a lot of songs in it. It looks kind of racist. <laughs> it does. Looks just a looks like a little bit racist. Gonna be. I honest. don't think Ishtar is the worst film ever made. Let's be fairly clear here. We learned that Jess actually didn't like the Fablemans controversial. I didn't hate it either. Like, so there are moments in it that talk about the Fablemans again. There are moments that really work just for stop, me. Just stop. Just stop. We're stopping right there. We're not going into the Fablemans again. Give us the outro. Let's go. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about the fucking Fablemans again. <laughs> you know who definitely didn't like the Fablemans? Probably not our patrons. I'm sure they have good taste in movies, unlike Jess. Cinemageddon reviews did. But I'm talking about our patrons. Thank you guys for listening. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Musical Cheese, Twitter, Musicals, or Cheesy Musicals, whatever the fuck you know. We've been here long enough. We're on Twitter. We got Patreon. We're going to talk about Chicago or whatever it's called now. Liz and I are going to be hanging out there. Yeah. Instagram, Musicals, or Cheese, YouTube page, Musicals, Cheese. the Patreon here is talk about that. Email us at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Tell us how wrong we are about newsies. Um, our keeper of the cheese is Juliet Antonio. Here's something for you, Juliet. Gift. Gifty gift for you. <laughs> this show is edited by Andrew DeWolf. Our theme songs were created by Robin Nash of IOU Music UK. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform. All right, kids. We ready to call it a night? We'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. <laughs> One way or another, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna catch it, catch it, catch it if I can, yeah. If I can, yeah. I'm gonna catch you. I'm gonna catch you if I can. I will 
catch you if I can. Yeah, I'll catch you if I can. (laughs) Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org, because only together we rise.